Would you open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 12? And while you're doing that, um, we do appreciate those that have helped us with this, uh, what's happening in Haiti. If you were just to trust the U.S. media, you wouldn't know that anything was happening at all. Uh, and that's because there's no money in it. When you click on a, no one's clicking on a link about Haiti. They're clicking on links about impeachment, and that's where money is, so they're not talking about it, which is odd because that's kind of what I'm talking about today. But, uh, but what's happening right now is a, is a people who have been oppressed and marginalized by their own government, by other governments, are protesting, and it's become very complex, and uh, the people that they're trying to help are the ones that are actually hurting the most right now. Uh, you know, around here, like, we'll, we'll go downtown and we'll honk our horns around the Capitol, whatever, down in Haiti. I mean, in, uh, they, they actually cut the bridge out. <laughs> like, these are professional protesters. Like, okay, you guys got around the burning bus. We're going to go ahead and cut the bridge out, like the only road into, you know, this city. So it's, it's complicating things, and at the same time, we have an opportunity to help. And so when I say 200 families, these are Haitian families, so that's like 1,000 people, and they have a food for a month, okay? Like we, we went grocery shopping for them, so they're covered for the next month. The schools are shut down, but our feeding programs are still open. Uh, four or 500 kids every day are getting at least one hot meal. Um, it, 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 those who can get there safely, there are those who cannot get there safely, so that's where we try to get taken care of through their parents. Um, and we just continue to pray that, hey, God, you know, your will be done on, uh, in Haiti as it is in heaven, in Tennessee as it is in heaven. And, uh, and part of that, we are the answer to, I, man, some mamas are praying right now for our children, for their children. You guys were the answer to their prayers of God's will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. Have you found Mark 12? Uh, we're going to be just in verses we're just going to do 13 through 17 today. Um, we're we're going to come back to this next week as well, so for Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but let's start in verse 13. Uh, I'm sorry, verse... I said 13, but I'm going to start actually... Yeah, verse 13. Never mind. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm adapting to the time limit that I have. This is what you're watching right now is Darren's gears going click, 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 trying to figure out how much time I have and what we need to say in that time. Verse 13, later they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians, right? Remember those two things? We're gonna come back to that. To Jesus to catch him in his words. And they came to him and said, teacher, because you pay no attention to who they are. Uh, teacher, you aren't swayed by others uh, because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. So, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Yes or no question. This sounds like every congressman in the impeachment trial this week. Tell me, should, you know, yes or no. They're trying to pin the people they're questioning. They're trying to pin Jesus. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he said, bring me a denarius, it's basically like a day's wages in a coin, and let me look at it. And they brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this? And uh, the Caesars, they replied, verse 17, then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed by him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, pray for your word to be the lamp and the light that you promised it would be for us um, in a divided culture 
that's not just in our country, but in countries around the world right now, Lord, it is a division that's happening. Protests are unfolding and everywhere from Ecuador to Hong Kong to Iran to Haiti, Lord, there's, there's something happening in our world right now that is not just unique to the United States. It's something happening maybe even in the spirit. And it's my prayer today that we would respond to that not as Americans, not as Democrats, not as Republicans, but as Jesus people, as followers of you. How would we respond whether we were in Nepal or whether we were in Nebraska? How would we respond like you? That's our prayer this morning. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I, uh, I don't, are there any political junkies in here? I got my hand up. <laughs> Nate Long. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. <laughs> when I was a little guy, I and mean, I've told you how weird of a kid I was, um, I would get up and watch, back then CNN, before it was the Communist News Network, um, or what it was the joke, it was the, my dad used to call it, that's the Communist News Network. But when I was a kid, it was just still 30 minute segments. I, like fifth, sixth grade, I'm up every morning watching the news. It was in 30 minute segments back then. Does anybody remember that? Um, and it was actually the news. Uh, and, and I loved it, I was fascinated by it. Even when I was in um, college and I was working as a waiter, I would actually, uh, I was so excited when, uh, when the guy or the girl, whoever, would leave behind her Wall Street Journal so I could read in between tables. I mean, I'm literally 19 years old reading the Wall Street Journal. I don't have any money, mind you. I'm a waiter, but I'm reading the Wall Street Journal because I was literally fascinated by it. And then, I mean, it was Oklahoma, so nobody left behind the New York Times. But they would sometimes leave behind, um, like, uh, the Tulsa World or whatever. And so I was always reading that, and I've always been caught up with it and, and, and fascinated by it. And, and in many ways, I have been led astray by it. And this week, uh, again, in between meetings and on the treadmill, I was listening to the impeachment hearings on, uh, on NPR. I've got an old car, so I, I mean, I have like just a radio and I'm listening to NPR and I, I think we all know kind of what maybe bent they might have on something. But, but, um, but this is actually, I was listening to this testimony and then someone later posted this photo because um, I was actually listening to this testimony when these two, this was a t uh, picture taken at a gym um, of the, the exact same simultaneous moment of the competing networks listening to the same testimony and their both interpretation of it, right? One is saying that this guy is proving that they've said it, and the other is saying, oh, he's, he's let him off the hook now. And here's the thing. I was listening to this. He didn't really say any of those things. Like, he said some of that, and he said some of the other, but they actually, both of them put a headline up that was shouting to their audience, and but what was true in that? How do we, and my question for you, my question for me, and this is a question just as much for me as it is for you. How do we follow Jesus in that culture where that is the storyline? And I, I mean, literally I went home and I screenshotted. Uh, these were exact same headlines at the exact same time about the exact same testimony from two different, and I, look, I chose Fox and I chose CNN. You could chose any conservative, any uh, progressive, and they both had competing headlines. They were both hearing the same story and they were coming back with a different headline. This, he ties uh, to pressure campaign that was CNN, and the other one saying, oh, he didn't do any of that. Like, that's not what happened at all. How do, how do we live in that world? And the thing is, is it would be tempting to think that that, is new to our culture.
But this is not new. There's nothing new under the sun. The idea that there is one side versus the other, a polarization down the middle of a society, that's just called tribalism, and that's been around since the beginning of man. It's happening literally right now in Nepal, literally right now in India, and it's happening literally right now in America. So Jesus right now in his culture is being challenged by two different tribes, the Pharisees and the Herodians. And they're saying, I need you to pick a side. Which one will you go with, Jesus? And I love this because I I think they were mocking him maybe, but they said something here that you teach the way of God, okay, way, in accordance with the truth, Do you see, does this ring a bell? John 14, verse two, I am the way, I am the truth. And then in the next chapter in verses 18, 19, whatever, he starts talking about the life, the resurrection. And we'll actually, apparently we're gonna talk about that next week. But that's the way, the truth, and the life. And the way that Jesus handles this situation actually follows that, that outline. He is the way. The way of Jesus in this culture He says, they're saying, Jesus, pick a side. And the side that they're asking him to pick, this was no small distinction. You know, there are issues that if I were to say them right now, you would immediately be able to say, okay, that makes you a Republican. Or if I make this side, that means that makes you a Democrat. Okay, this is one of those issues. However he answers makes him a Herodian or it makes him a Pharisee. There is no middle ground on this question. And the question was about the taxes, The tax that they're specifically talking about was a tax that every Jew in Israel during that day had to pay to the Roman government. Uh, N.T. Wright said it was called the head tax, okay? That means if you had five people in your family, you got to pay five denarius. It's about a day's wages. It's five days pay. If you want, whatever, but everybody had to pay. And on the other hand, uh, you've got, so that's, uh, the Herodians would believe that that you should pay that tax. The the Herodians were, um, King Herod, the supporters of that, the guy that was in power, uh, he was not popular amongst the Israeli people, amongst the Jewish people, not popular at all. And on the other hand, you've got the Pharisees, who we read in hindsight as being kind of like jerks, right? Uh, But they were moral heroes. And if you were to get one of those voter registration cards out, and they were to mark off, I think maybe Jesus might have agreed with more, uh, the Pharisees would have marked more, that though we want this, we want uh, marriages between a man and a woman, we want uh, sexual, uh, not freedom, like Herodians would want this other thing, we would want uh, limited government, whatever. Like, I think that the Pharisees would say, we want, that Jesus might have come down on their side as it relates to political, although on the other side, there were probably things that Jesus might have agreed with too. But he's saying, I gotta, they're saying you gotta pick a side. That's the, 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 if you pick this one, you say no tax. What you're saying is uh, the Essenes, which were part of the Jewish population, they were like their version of preppers. They went out into the woods. They didn't pay the tax at all. And the Pharisees, if you say you don't pay the tax, then you're actually one of us, right? So don't, uh, don't pay the tax. Or you're, you're voting for them if you're voting for the tax. And on the other side, the Herodians would say, yeah, you're one of us then because you're saying we're in charge of this. What on earth does Jesus do in that climate? in a climate where he maybe doesn't fit in either of those camps fully. And do you think maybe he had an opinion? Probably. Herod, Herodian, when Jesus was born, there was a tax that was instituted. And because of that tax, they needed to get a count of everybody. A census was to be taken. And because of the census, Jesus and all of his family were made to go to Bethlehem, far away from where their family and friends were, back to their birthplace to be counted, okay? And while in Bethlehem, 
Herod. Okay, it would be this guy's grandfather, the Herod that was in charge now. It's his grandfather, Herod Agrippa, found out that Jesus was there and made an edict to kill every baby under the age of two years old in Bethlehem. And it was because of that that Jesus had to escape with his family to Egypt, lost everything he loved, everyone he knew to be away, to be safe. Do you think he might have had an opinion about Herod? I would. And most of our political opinions are based on that kind of an experience. This person hurt me, that person harmed me, and because of that, I'm going for this other thing, hardcore. And Jesus does something that is absolutely fascinating. The way of Jesus he says to give me a coin and he pulls up the coin and this is sort of a famous passage and whose image is on the coin? It's Caesar. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God's. Now that is Jesus saying, on the one hand, pay your taxes. You're in this world. You are not disengaging from this culture. There are those who would say that when Jesus said this, it means that we shouldn't be involved in government at all. And I can't think of a worse interpretation of that. Having Jesus followers, having people who are full of the Holy Spirit in positions where they might be making some decisions, isn't that a good thing? I know I'm not supposed to, you know, political whatever, but, but Bill Lee is a good guy. He's in our community. He's a friend of oh, many people in this room, even here. I was okay when Bill got elected governor. He's a Jesus guy. His life has been Jesus all along. It's okay that Bill Lee is the governor of Tennessee. Okay. That's not, he's not saying disengage from the culture at all in that. And you can go to Romans 13, you know, pray for leaders in power in Timothy. The passages in the New Testament that would say that that couldn't be what Jesus meant. Pay your taxes. The question isn't who gets your taxes. The question is who gets you? Because on the coin was the image of Caesar, but who is on the image of you? Whose image is on you? Let us make man in our image. God's image is on you. This world gets your taxes. This world gets some participation, but does God get you? And I think in some ways we think that if I'm a part of this world, that the world, I now, this image of the world, now the world gets me, but that's not what Jesus was voting for. To, to put it differently, they're saying pick a tribe. Okay, are you gonna be in the tribe that says we, we're all for this government or are you gonna be in the tribe that says we gotta overthrow this government? And Jesus said, I'm not picking one of your tribes. I am the tribe. I am a lion of the tribe of Judah. And instead of starting in the political and trying to retrofit Jesus into the political system, he's suggesting we pick and side with Jesus and then we retrofit anything outside of here, whether it's your job, your marriage, your life, your children, your political thing, all goes back to Jesus, not the other way around. Jesus is not offering to be an add-on into our lives. He is our life and anything else is, is cursory to that. So picking a tribe, Jesus is not picking one. Doesn't mean you can't register one party or the other. He's just saying that isn't my tribe. I'm not gonna let that be. But at the same time, I, I wanna say this very clearly. It did not mean that he wouldn't tell the truth. He wasn't, we're all gonna have to pick a side at some point, right? And the side is either God or Caesar. And everything that isn't God falls under Caesar. That's true of Haitian politics. It's true of U.S. politics, that that is Caesar's, but everything else is God. But what I do love, and this actually is from Scott Saul's book, Jesus Outside the Lines. He says that everyone must ultimately take a side 
Yet Jesus gave so much of his time, attention, and love to people who did not side with him. A journey through the Gospels shows that he was especially tender towards people who did not believe in him or follow him. So I'm picking the side of Jesus. I'm picking his tribe. And from that, it allows me to look at people who may not have picked my side, not as an enemy, but as someone who Jesus loves and wants to save. And it also means that I have to, I get to, it's my honor, my privilege to tell the truth. Because he didn't say, Jesus didn't not tell the truth. It's, they said it, you, you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Um, I, I love this. Uh, this is a quote from, from, from Rick Warren, that our culture has accepted two huge lies. Okay, we're talking about the truth, but here's two lies that the culture has embraced. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. That's not true. And the other is that to love someone means you have to agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. And in this culture, that is the delicate dance that we all get to do. I think that we have been guilty in many ways over the decades of religious existence in America of being very judgmental of those that we are afraid of or those that we don't agree with. And I think there's a reason why that we would tell, that we would tell the truth not in accordance with the truth. We would not teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, but in accordance with, with fear, with anger. And Jesus didn't. And I love it because it says here in uh, 1132 that they feared the people, speaking of the Pharisees uh, and the Herodians, they were afraid, verse 12 of chapter 12, they were afraid of the crowd. So they left him and they went away. That the, the Pharisees and the Herodians were speaking about the way of God in accordance with a fear of the crowd. And in our climate, is there anything more scary right now than, than the crowd, right? The fear of that. And fear of the crowd causes us to say things we don't mean or to not say things we do mean. And both are out of fear. That there's a fear that if I say this, that I'm now going to be uh, called out or canceled. Uh, I, I've read a, a piece this week. Uh, uh, Valerie, I hate to say this because your kids are making fun of me always saying I read this in the New York Times, but I read this in the New York Times this week. Uh, there was this, this piece on cancel culture and what it's doing to our teenagers. I, I want to say this, but if I say this, then I'm canceled. I'm blocked on Snapchat. I'm blocked uh, on, on, uh, on the TikTok. Do they get blocked on the TikTok? So they get blocked on, on the TikTok. They get blocked... <laughs> canceled because they said something that was too scary, too controversial. And so what that does is actually causing our children so much fear that they're not going to say anything that could possibly rock the boat because they don't want to be canceled. And the truth is, is that's not a new trick either. Religious fundamentalists have been doing that for years. It's not new to the secular progressive side of our world. The religious fundamentalists, we called it shunning or church discipline. We had different words for it, but it was if you do something I didn't like or disagree with, you are now cut off from everything that, that you, and everyone you love. It happens in cults. It happens in religious fundamentalism. And right now it's happening in progressive secularism all over the world. That if you say this, you're canceled, you're called out. And so what happens is if I'm afraid of the crowd, then I don't speak the truth. And what's, I think it's a perfect trap of the enemy to say that if, well, if it made somebody angry, then I actually can't say that because it, because it made them angry, then it must not be true. And, you know, when I talk about feelings on a Sunday and how God has given us feelings, the, the normal bristle from that, and I bristled at this too, 
was about truth. Well, how, if I don't feel like it's true, right? I feel like that's how you get squishy. My truth, your truth is because I don't feel true. Here's what, here's what I believe. Something is either true or it's not true. It just is. Now, how I feel about that, I might be angry about it. I might be sad about it. I might be glad for it. I might be afraid. But that is what is being in modern vernacular saying, I don't feel like this is true. What they're really saying is, I don't like this. It makes me scared or it makes me angry. So I don't feel like it could be true. Or on the other hand, whether it's true or not, I like this and I love it. So it must be true because I like it. Neither one of those are a litmus test for whether something is true or not. We can't base our feeling, our our communication of the truth based on the crowd or based on how we feel. Now, uh, really quickly, I want to show you why these headlines are important because I think that, and probably most of us in the 830 know this, so I don't want to like condescend. You probably already know this, but just in case. Do you know how the, the, the news media works in our climate right now? They, they, they got to pay the rent. They got to pay the bills. Okay. Now in the old days, they would sell advertising, the furniture guy or the, you know, come on down. We got cars for half price. They would, they would make money that way. They would sell ads that way and they'd put it in the newspaper and then yahoos like me would be reading it, you know, and then maybe go buy something. Okay. Those days are kind of gone. And so now it's, if someone goes to their website, they see, you see the ad, they get paid because you saw the ad. You clicked on the website, you saw the ad. Okay. That's how they get paid. Am I getting this right, Rap? Am I getting it? Okay. Um, Rap is a resident internet expert. So you click on this and they get paid for that. And what they've learned over the years is what will make you or I click on something. Okay. Because let me tell you what won't make him click on it is that there are people suffering and dying in Haiti. I don't know them. They're different color skin. I'm not going to click on that. Whatever the reason is, they're not clicking on it. Here's what makes you click on something. Something that makes you angry will make you click. Something that gets you hateful will make you click. And if it makes you angry enough, then you share it and they get more clicks and they get paid more. That is the business model of the media. And so whatever they say in the article really doesn't matter. It needs to be in the headline because that's what you're going to see. So what we just saw at the very beginning were two different headlines that were on television because apparently some people still watch TV. Um, They were competing to try to get their people to click on that thing so that they could get paid for that. Both of those things had right information, wrong implication inside of them. Here's what I mean, and we don't have time to turn to these this morning, but if you uh, have a notepad, you can write this down. In the Bible, the definition of a false witness, by the way, the Bible never says thou shalt not lie. It says thou shalt not bear false witness, okay? It's different, but it's a nuance of what a lie really is. When it says in Mark that they called false witnesses against Jesus, Mark 14, 57, 58, 59. It says that these false witnesses came and they said that we heard this man say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands and in three days we'll build another not made with human hands, yet not even their testimony They didn't even agree with each other. But it, here's the thing. What did Jesus say? He said in John, I will t- tear down this temple and in three days rebuild it again. This he spoke of his body and resurrection. They took the right information, withheld information, and gave the wrong implication, and that is false witness. That is not new. That's been around for years. 
That's been around since the beginning of time. Right information, wrong implication is false witness. It's taking a line and saying, and all basically what we've done right now is we figured out how to monetize a false witness. And when you say it's anger, what it really is is fear because when you think about someone raging, especially when it's on the internet, you're not really angry. What you really are is afraid. And I'm afraid that they're gonna take this away from me. I'm afraid this part of my life is gonna be. And that fear, you're allowing the world to monetize the fear that the enemy wants you to have. And the opposite of love is fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Jesus is the way, he's the truth. We can still speak the truth. It may not be popular. They hated me, they will hate you, Jesus said. So how do I live in that world? I mean, this week, you're not supposed to talk about politics and religion at holidays, and what are we doing? Talking about politics and religion right here. So what are we gonna do this week? You're gonna go home and Uncle Joe might have an opinion, right? Aunt Barb, she got something to say about this. What do we do in that world? Because Jesus is the way, he's the truth. And he is the life. They're asking Jesus to pick a hill that you're willing to die on. Are you going to die on the hill of this tax? Are you going to die on the hill of immigration? Are you going to die on this hill of abortion? What hill will you die on? And Jesus chose a hill. It was a hill called Golgotha. And it wasn't a hill that either of them would have chosen. It was a hill that he would die on so that those other hills could be made level in front of the cross. It was a hill that he would die on, a tribe that he was in, so that Simon the Zealot, who was a guy that would not pay his taxes, that wanted to overthrow the government physically, could live side by side with Matthew the tax collector, the very guy he wanted to overthrow. Somehow in the kingdom of God, those two, the lion and the lamb, you decide which one's the lion, get to lay down together. And I think the only way it was, was because, and and there's just a clue in this passage right here, the clue of how Jesus was going to do this, when he says, someone get me a denarius, someone get me a coin. Now he's Jesus, he could have pulled one from behind his ear, like a, you know, like a, like a, like a magician at a birthday party. (laughs) A denarius. He borrowed a, a coin He was a king without a coin. Do you understand that? He didn't have a coin. He had to borrow one. Jesus, who was rich, became poor so that we might become rich. You see, the tribes, especially you teenagers, you're going to be picked. You, can I join this tribe or that tribe? The tribe that you join here, whether it's at school, at drama, whatever, you've got to pick a tribe and then you've got to obey the rules of that tribe or you're out of that tribe. Every tribe on this side of heaven is a tribe based on the work that you do. Jesus was a tribe based on the work that he did. And because of the work that he did, now I'm in that tribe, not based on my work, but based on the work that he did on the cross. And when I know that, when I take that, you know, this line of you go right or you go left, I say go neither, go deeper into the gospel. Because as I'm deeper into the gospel, I understand that Aunt Barb, Uncle Bill, whatever, that they're not my enemies. They're somebody that Jesus wants to serve and to love and to save. Just like me.
And when I come from that perspective that I'm loved and embraced and accepted by God because of the work that Christ did, then it's a whole lot easier to love those who are holding a view and a value that might be opposite of me, that might even hate me. You understand that when Jesus said this to the Herodians and he said it to the Pharisees, it made them both mad. Right? He, the crowd that wanted so bad for him to join, a week later are shouting, crucify him. The crowd is fickle. The crowd will change, but Jesus never changes. And so when I join his tribe, it's from his tribe that I can look. It's from his tribe that he set the ultimate example on a cross, the very people that crucified him. And he said, forgive them, Lord, for they don't know what they do. I'm not saying we disengage from civil service from government. I really believe with all my heart that that's not a bad thing and, that, and I can biblically make a case for it as well. But we do it not as from their tribe, but from his tribe. And what I'm learning the longer I've been around is that in his tribe, if you're in the Jesus tribe, that means that in a, in a polarized society, you're gonna make both tribes angry. And if you're at a place where you're making both of them angry, you're probably getting close to Jesus. I mean, think about this. On what planet would the Democrats and the Republicans in our world come together to agree on anything? Because right now the answer is nothing. For them, it was the real Jesus. That's what made them come together. Because the real Jesus would say to relinquish your power. The real Jesus would say to love the poor. The real Jesus would say, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that real Jesus that they wanted to kill, that's what makes parties angry if you're a radical on either side. But if you come at it from the, the point of the cross, from what he did in the gospel, then I can, live, uh, I can live the life that he promised. And that's what we're gonna talk about next week. It's what we were gonna talk about this week, but the resurrection, because he talks about that next and marriage and the resurrection. But when, if you get a chance, read ahead, because what you see here is Pharisees and Herodians are, are grilling Jesus. Then they're done with them. Then the Sadducees, it's like a sub party. They're coming to grill him. And then you got a lawyer coming to grill him. And it, honest to God, felt like an impeachment hearing. Like it's literally, oh, what about this? Yes or no? Tell me this. Do you remember that? Do you? It was like Jesus being impeached. But the way that he answered that, all of these questions got him killed, number one, and allows us to live. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by him. And I'll say this and then we're gonna go. No man comes unto the Father but by him. I don't really like that statement if I'm being honest with you because I have a lot of options of a way that I would like to go to the Father, things that I would like to. And what I've learned in my old age, I heard Francis Chan say this. He said that if you can't think of a single thing in the Bible that you don't like or that you don't agree with, maybe you should read it again. <laughs> what he was getting at is if there's something in there that you don't like, that you don't, but you don't know it, for most of us, if it's not something, if I can't think of something in this Bible that I don't like, it's because I'm actually creating the Bible in my image, not allowing the Bible to create me in his image. The gospel in and of itself is offensive. That's why they killed him. But the gospel in and of itself is amazing news as well because once I lay it down and realize, oh, but I, I really did need a savior. He really did come to save me. That's the amazing news of it. But it hits you first as a, ooh, the carnal mind is enmity against God. My carnal mind doesn't want that. But my spirit knows. And that's the good news. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray today, Lord, that we would be able to live in the way, the truth, and the life today. Lord, Jesus asked a question that was not rhetorical. Whose image is on the coin? Whose image is on me?
It is you, your image, Jesus, that's on me. And I pray today that that image would shine forth with love, with truth, the greatest command, Lord, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. Those are things that you and through the gospel only through you can empower us to do that. Not just this week, but in 2020, as our nation is as divided as ever, Lord, could we be the light of the world that you promised we would be? Not by picking a side, but by joining your tribe and your tribe through love and through truth and through compassion. God, our nation right now is crying out for truth. Both sides, like everybody, Lord, crying out for truth. Like never before in history, the bills have come due on postmodernism and there's no money in the account. We want truth in our culture. Pray, Lord, that our church, our Jesus people will become a part of that truth in this culture. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.